remember this: money, Lloyd, is you know uh, is important, but so is environment, right? So your shop has to become, you know, the sh our shop. I know in the next five years, if we want to go where we want to go, is going to have to look much more like a laboratory for our customers and for our employees. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff, here with my co-host Lloyd Graff. The following is part two of our interview with Dave Turo of Turo Metal Products, a 56-person contract machining company located on Long Island. Women make up half of Turo's workforce, including his mother, who pays the bills. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graff Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. You've also been looking at and buying mill turn machines, right? Correct. So you've got a million choices. You could go with Mazak, you could go with Mori, you can go with Nakamori, you can go with Index, you can go with uh, a, a Korean machine, you can go with a Taiwanese machine. So what's going into your decision making uh, on a, uh, let's say, a mill turn machine? Three things. Service is important. And, you know, we, we started with Mazak. We bought three, in a very short period of time, we bought three brand new uh, 200 MSY machines. And we've had a couple of inflection points in this company, I think three. One was the first CNC Swiss, which was truly the first, you know, multi-axis CNC we had in 1991. Uh, 98, we bought our first mill turn, the, the Mazak. 200 MSY, full Y-axis, full capability on the sub. We bought three of them within a three-year span. And, you know, then we discovered Morisiki, and we also discovered Maruka, which is a, a, a fine distributor of, of machines. They now represent Nakamura, as Mori decided to go to eliminate their relationship with, his, with the distributor. So we're now a Mori user, you know. Started with Mazak, we still have Mazaks, but we're replacing the Mazaks. If it's a single turret machine with an NLX 2500, I believe it's the best. Oh, the DMG Mori? Well, it, it, no, it's, it's not. We have a DMG Mori. We've started at the third inflection point in the company was the, the multi-turret lathes, as such as the C100 or the, or the DMG Sprint 65, which is a triple turret. So, you know, that inflection point happened in 10 when we started going to mill turn, but multi-turret. Uh, we had a couple of used Mianos, two turret machines that we, we ran, but they were older technology that we used in a limited, on a limited basis. So 
you know, it started with Mazak. In, in Swiss, it started with Citizen. In, in Milturn, it started with Mazak. Uh, we didn't have as good a relationship with them. Um, met Maruka. Maruka got us into Mori. Maruka sold us our first DMG, Sprint 65. And the reason I would consider Nakamura is I really like Maruka's approach. They actually have three lines. Nakamura, they have a very capable mold-making machine, and I think they sell one other line, but they really focused for years on on Mori until Mori decided to end the relationship, and now they're really focusing on Nakamura. And I think, you know, one of the things everyone needs to do in such a competitive environment, regardless of your business, is focus. And so they're really focused on that piece of equipment, you know, some dealers have, you know, many, many different lines that they represent. I think they dilute their ability to serve their customers. And they're focused on the dual turret, dual spindle mill turn? Yeah, Nakamura. So I don't own it. We don't own any of them, but we're at the point right now where the a triple turret machine is a fine machine. We've done very well with them, but there's a lot of, we, we have a lot of single turret machines nl nlx 2500s and we still have uh two of our our, our mazaks that we bought in in the in the 2000s but a lot of the work that we have like we we think on the swiss i mean one of the wonderful thing things about swiss with a lot of parts is you can overlap machining on the sub in the main and so on our nlx is you can make any part complete uh they're very good machines but you can only have one tool in the cut at a time so for a lot of what we're doing, we don't need a triple turret machine. Uh, we have it when we need it, but you know, we need to round out our capability. We believe in the near term by going with a a, a, a double turret machine. And who will it be? You know, we had a good relationship with uh, with Maruka. They were good to us. You know, for the last seven or eight years, their product line changed. So. If I buy an NLX, it's going to be directly with DMG in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, again, you asked me what goes into the decision. The, obviously, the machine itself, the service and the support, and the capability. What about index? Do you, you, you've you had a C100 or a C200? Yeah, we, have, we, we bought a C100 brand new in 2013. Wonderful machine. That's a triple turret? It's a triple turret, you know. The, I would say the best machine tool, most capable machine tool we have on our floor. You know, they've had some issues with uh, with being in the market. You know, it's very it's the machines are perceived to be very expensive. Right? Is it worth to you? Is it worth the money? Yeah. Well, we had the ideal job, so we ran it day and night for two years. And, you know, had the most profitable years in the company's history. And it's not just because of that machine alone, but uh, we paid for that machine within, you know, within 18 months. Wow. Okay. And so we, you know, sometimes my dad is, uh, we use sports analogies. He's always an aggressive base runner and he swings for the fences. And sometimes you strike out and, uh, you know, sometimes you hit a home run and, you know. So he's still more aggressive in buying equipment and trying new things? Than you? Well, no. I mean, what I would say what happened, you know, I wanted to buy the DMG. So coming out of the Great Recession, you know, we're, we were diverse. We do quite a bit also on Long Island for the defense industry. That helped us 
stay, you know, well capitalized throughout the recession. And I wanted to go into the 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 the, the multi turret machining. Uh, he supported it. I mean, we were thinking about buying our first CNC multi, and uh, I think we made the right choice at the time. We had, you know, what was happening as we came out of the Great Recession is we had multiple single, double, single turret, you know, full subspindle mill turret machines running three parts, the same three parts, because we had all of a sudden such from one day to the other, such a, a, an upsurge in 2010. I mean, from, you know, 2009, 2010, it was like, it was like night and day. And, you know, it was a no brainer because the parts we were running, we could on one machine do what we needed, what we were doing on two to three machines. And so you learn that as you evolve, you know, you want more and more capable machines, not necessarily more and more machines, but more capable machines. Uh, that's how you have your sales per employee go up, and that's how you you don't have to necessarily move into three three buildings or two buildings, or you know you minimize you maximize your output per for your real estate. Where where do you see? Um, you, you were telling me before about. The trend you're seeing of the work coming back from China, how is that affecting you? Um, you know, how is it affecting us? First of all, our long-term perspective is is changed. I mean, we're very, very bullish on on America, and that's based on a few underlying trends. I mean, I started getting bullish seven years ago with our energy independence, you know, uh, the fact that we have... Uh, we're energy independent, and now we have uh, an administration that has really pushed the issue, and in the last year or two has caused our customers to, to really think about buying again in America. And I think when they looked at our prices versus the, the, the prices they've been getting, they found they weren't different. So we have a flood of work. I mean, we've we've grown dramatically in the last two years. This is the best the best you've ever done this year or last year. You know, year? thirteen and thirteen and fourteen were our best years. I mean, we bought the C one hundred and thirteen, and everything was firing. Um, last the last two years were reminiscent, almost mirrors of those years. Except now, I see several more years of growth opportunity. What happened after in sixteen was. All, there was a, 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 a dip in, in, in manufacturing for about a year or two. We, we led the general economy out of the recession in 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. And then there was a precipitous drop in oil prices that started in mid-15 that led to a slowdown. We also had a few things uh, happen with our, a few of our main customers, you know, that affected our 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 results in 16 and 17, but coming uh, 15 and 16, but starting in 16, there was a real upward traje- trajectory that accelerated into seven. In, in, in 17, we started a, a real upward traje- trajectory, which carried even more into 18. And we will need to ship about 20% more in gross sales this year to keep everybody happy. Are you exporting a lot? Are you exporting a lot to Europe? We were exporting a lot in 11, 
12, 13, 14. You know, by 2015, 16, we had almost parity with the euro as far as the dollar goes. And that affected us. You know, when we started in 10, we started exporting because the dollar, the euro was about a dollar 30. It was about a, a one euro 32 to the dollar. So they had tremend a tremendous advantage buying here from us. And that kind of uh, uh, evaporated over a four or five year period. Not only, you know, that, that affected us. You know, we, we, we started, we, we were not exporting to Europe at, like we used to. And I think the euro, you know, has something to do with that. So, you know, we exported a lot then. That led us out of the recession. And now the local markets, I mean, a lot of our parts go through the uh, components, the assemblies, our customers put our parts in to go all over the world. Our parts are everywhere. But in 11, 12, and 13, we were shipping, you know, every day directly into the European markets. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. A question for you, Dave. Uh, I'm curious about uh, uh, Maury. When, uh, and this is not just them, but other uh, distributors. Uh, when Maury goes with DMG, they bring everything in-house. Mm -hmm. uh, how has that affected you? Have you, uh, do, do you feel that was a mistake on their part? I'm curious. You know, um, let's think back to my last purchase from them, which was in 2014. I bought an NLX 2500. You know, we knew the machine. We weren't doing anything new. My opinion from you know, a distance is that that may have been a mistake, but I, I don't know. I mean, they have such the thing that is interesting, but, you know, concerns me about DMG Mori. They have such a diverse product mix. Mm -hmm. You go, I go to star and all they sell is stars, right? That's what they do. Hirschman. Hirschman used to have uh, other lines, right? Uh, star is Hirschman machine tool court, right? They they all all they do is sell stars and and they have different you know you can get a, a twelve millimeter you can get a twenty millimeter you can get a thirty two millimeter they have now a forty five millimeter you know they, they have a a, a, a a reasonable product mix but that's all they do and you know DMG Mori you go to their booth at IMTS I mean it's like a whole room they're trying to do everything and you know. That's one of my concerns. So, I mean, you know, they've tried to sell me a Swiss, but, you know, I'm concerned that they're, you know, as far as they're, they're you know, are they biting off more than they can chew? I don't know. Uh, they're a good company. Uh, you know, while I dealt, when I made the real leap forwards with them, it was with Maruka. They stood behind the product. Maruka was really good in what they did. Um you know, and I'm probably more loyal to the distributor than I am to, to the... Mm -hmm. That's that's what I was curious about. Yeah. 
Okay, I want to ask you about customer acquisition. Huh? Are you going out every day looking for the next customer, or are you trying to expand the customer that you have? Do you have a big sales team? Or are you waiting for the customers to find you? So in 2011, uh, sales was, was a big concern in, in 11. Um, we hired a individual whose job was to, his primary job was to, was to bring in new business. And uh, he's our vice president of sales. And no matter how busy we think we are, we always look for, for new customers. Uh, the first thing I told him in 11 when we started was we're going to say no a lot more often than we say yes. So we're very selective. We look for long-term opportunities, not a job, but we look for a relationship. And our goal every year is to add at least two strategic accounts. A strategic account is an account that, you know, delivers monthly sales of anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000, uh, you know, for years to come. That's what we look for. So we have a goal. And again, between him and me, uh, we realize that we never have enough good customers. And uh, we, we can never stop looking for good people. And we can never stop looking for new business opportunities. I like that. So you look for new business. And then often you find potential new business. And then you say no. But it's kind of like looking under every rock to see what opportunity you find correct so we will you know ideally you get a lot of opportunities to look at that's that's you know we in the last three actually five years we've redone our website three times so we work with a marketing company um we've worked on messaging uh we worked uh you know he's he's a the, the gentleman we hired is very good at qualifying which is very important and uh you know quickly qualifying if there's a fit and, you know, we have to go through about 100 leads to get two or three really, really solid prospects. So those are our, those are our metrics uh-huh. because we want to be very selective in who we deal with and give them the absolute best experience. Are you afraid that the company might get too big for you to manage it? You know, we're at a point right now where we're at another inflection point where if we can grow about another 20 percent, um, we're going to have to, we're 80% to being a completely grown up company. You know, we're still somewhat entrepreneurial run. And to answer your question, Lloyd, I'm not, I am not, you know, afraid of that. Um, but, you know, you have to think differently. You know, you have to think about the people in the positions they're in. And, and in some cases, there are some positions in the company where, the size and scale will be too big for certain individuals. I hope it's not for me. If I am, I need to step aside because I've always looked for the interest of the company and do it, do, you know, do what I'm comfortable doing and let someone who's more capable take it to the next level. So, you know, we will have to evaluate our, our team and uh, make sure that we have people that are capable of running uh, a company that's, you know, twice the size three or four years from now. Would you acquire another company? No, our, our focus at this point, I would say for the next three years, is completely organic growth. We have a facility that we're acquiring that will, through organic, you know, hopefully through organic growth, by buying 
you know, four or five, you know, two somewhere between two and five new pieces of equipment or even, you know, used equipment, occasionally buy good used equipment per year, will, with adding about 20 people, maybe 15 people to the workforce, will double the size of the company in the next five years. So our plan is purely organic. Doesn't mean we wouldn't, uh, you know, consider that, but... Again, that's a whole different skill, you know, integrating another company. You know, I every day I hear, oh, I can't find people. I can't find people. Yet, then you ask uh, the people, well, uh, I'm looking for somebody who will take twelve fifty an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, and my guess is on Long Island, you're not fi- you're not hiring the people for twelve fifty an hour yet. Your business is growing. What do you mm-hmm. think about all the people who say, I can't find people, it's impossible, No, there are no good people? Do you think that they are just looking under the long, uh, lo- looking in all the wrong places? I mean, money, you know, remember this, money, Lloyd, is, you know, uh, is important, but so is environment, right? So your shop has to become, you know, the sh- our shop I know in the next five years if we want to go where we want to go is going to have to look much more like a laboratory for our customers and for our employees so environment is important you know on Long Island we have access to uh, an immigrant workforce who will work at $12.50 $13 an hour uh, but they have no skills and they work hard and we have access to people that are gonna you know require $30 an hour you know so um, as far as Workforce goes, you know, we found that being in a metropolitan area is an important thing, not being in the middle of nowhere. People work here because we have higher taxes. We have to work here, uh, you know, and we're, we're, we, you know, we have a certain lifestyle. And, you know, I'll tell you this about our strategy, you know, listening to Bill and Bill, uh, uh, Bill Cox, I was very impressed. You know, he hires a lot of people. We have to focus the best potential employees I have for the people working for me right now mm-hmm. 56 people that work here um, we have a lot of people that have been here for many years that in the next 10 years will become very important in this company uh, and if we realize that they're the key to our success so our our goal our, our strategy is to cultivate the people we have and then hire people who have who fit our values, who, who work hard, who are dependable and reliable and passionate about what we do, and to groom them, because it takes a long, long time to, to, mm-hmm. to, to develop your top tier people. Well, how often are the people you hire just starting at square one and, and you you mold them from the beginning versus you know going out and getting a hired gun, set up guy, somebody with a big pedigree? 95% of our people uh, we molded, you know, from entry level all the way up to, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, a highly skilled technician. Not not too many free agents. <laughs> no. So, you know, you have to focus. You know, this is a, a, a very, very uh, skilled profession, especially, you know, what makes contract manufacturing interesting. You know, we're experts in machining titanium we're experts in machining aluminum we're experts in machining you know lead uh stress proof steel you know copper um you know when i go to other shops that have a product you know 
they're doing a lot of the same types of materials and a lot of the same things. So we need the best of the best. And the only way and the only way we're going to get them is to really cultivate them. And constantly, we do constantly hire entry-level people. Uh, some of them really have a gift. You know, you guys were here and did a, a, a piece on us on women in machining. And there was a young woman who, within a year or, or six months, was setting up those mill-turn machines. And she's with us to this day. Uh-huh. Interesting. And she can set up many of the, many, most of the machines out there. And uh, Do you have any other women? Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're 50% women. Fifty percent women. Yeah, we're, we're eight, we, we are atypical. You know, all of our Swiss operators are women. Yeah, interesting. That, that's a uh, that's a great angle. I, I'm gonna uh, we're we are gonna have to wind this up pretty soon. But I have a wild card question for you. Okay. Uh, I actually just wrote a piece about uh, the legalization of marijuana, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, as a business owner who's uh, hiring people, whether uh, this is an issue for you. Uh, You know, many people tell me that uh, uh, drug use is a problem for them. Uh, Do you find uh, drug usage to be a problem in the culture that you've developed at Turo? Now, uh, you know, we have a, 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 you know, my parents are, uh, I guess they've developed a, a, a point where people don't even smoke here. People that used to smoke don't smoke. You know? <laughs> so I don't know what it is, but um, we don't, I don't see a problem. I mean, there could be one. I, I never like to assume anything. You don't do drug testing? We don't do drug testing. You know, we, we do... <laughs> We, we, we work with them, and if you're not with it, you know, the problem is, is I don't care what you do in your free time, right? I mean, I'm somewhat of a libertarian in my view, but if you can't come to work consistently, you're not with it on the job, you know, you're not engaged, I don't have a job for you. Mm-hmm. So I look at the symptoms, you know, uh, uh of, and I don't really care what it is, whether it's, you know, how you grew up, um, you know, whatever. Uh, be here on time, you know, and there are people, you know, we have very high standards. My parents have set very high standards of pers- of conduct within the organization. And we live, try and live out that example. And, you know, do I need to test somebody? You know, uh, we test them every day out, yeah. out, out, yeah. out on the floor, you know? That, right. that is a very astute uh, astute way of, of going about it. So, you know, you know it does concern, it concerns me, you know, somewhat as a member of society. Um, I'm not an expert. Um, I have, you know, I don't give it a lot of thought. Um, well, read my piece about it. Where would I find that, Lloyd? Well, it'll be coming out in a few days. Good. So, yeah, I mean... Are you getting the emails again, I hope? Uh, Dave? uh, Hold on, Mauer, I'm on a uh, call. Okay, sorry about that. (laughs) That was my shipping manager. (laughs) Okay, Dave, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. You too. Bye. Bye.
Hey, everybody. First, we just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It boosts our egos, and of course, your ears are the reason we do this. But it would be great if you could subscribe and leave a review, as it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you soon.